this is the, the part of our morning where we open up God's Word together and read a couple of verses together. But before we do that, I just want to get the, the elephant out of the room. Uh, my shirt, I'm not on lockdown in Ibiza. Uh, we fought, we fought a, a collective decision. Be good to freshen things up. <laughs> and also, I don't know if I would wear this on Sunday morning, but uh, online is a good gauge, isn't it? Because I, I will get your immediate feedback. But anyway, <laughs> apart from my fashion choices, we're going to look at the Bible just now. We're going to ask God what he wants to say to us through it. And uh, we're picking up a part in Matthew, in the book of Matthew. We see Jesus providing an amazing miracle. He has encountered him and his disciples, a little boy who has brought his loaves and fishes, thousands of people wanting fed. And we see Jesus perform a miracle of multiplication. We see Jesus feed the 5,000. Commentators say it's actually more than 5,000 if we include women and children. So we're talking well over 10,000 people. And there's food left over after that. Just an amazing, amazing moment. And uh, we pick up straight after that. So if you think of the crowds that have gathered, the crowds that have been fed, the crowds that have seen this miracle, and we pick up in verse 22, Matthew chapter 14. So if you've not got a Bible, hopefully there's a little tab if you're on church online where you can read along with us at Matthew 22, uh, Matthew 14, verse 22. So let's read together. Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when he climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. Amen. Amen. Now, I don't know about you guys, but we're on to, we're approaching week eight of lockdown and I find myself sometimes, I, I love YouTube, I love watching YouTube videos, funny YouTube videos, but sometimes I find myself down a rabbit hole. I'll maybe uh, end up watching one video and then end that video, a recommended video comes up and I end up watching that and then 20 minutes later I've got something completely unrelated and I'm thinking, how on earth did I end up watching this? But uh, I ended up this week going back to a very, very famous video and it's a very short clip called Charlie Bit My Finger. Now, I don't know if you've seen this video before, I'm sure you have, but it's when the baby brother is sitting next to his, his brother and he has him on his lap, the, the baby brother's on the older brother's lap 
and uh, he's playing with his hand. And then all of a sudden, the baby brother grabs his finger and starts to bite it. And we see uh, the older brother just shouting, Ow! Charlie bit my finger! It's not a very good impression, but he just shouts it. But in the beginning, he starts going, Ah! Ah! And the teeth are going in harder and harder. Charlie bit my finger! And uh, it became a viral sensation. It became a viral sensation. And it led to that video being watched. I just checked this week, 873 million times. An amazing uh, reaction moment that just captured that moment brilliantly and people loved watching that video, that reaction, that response from the older brother. And you know at this moment we're getting some, ourselves as a family, are getting some precious reaction moments, uh, precious uh, responses from our boys, especially just now when we make ice lollies, there's great cheers around the house, when we tell them that we're going out on our bikes, there's just great excitement around that. Also, on the other hand, when we say there's no chocolate or there's no more palm bears, we see a different kind of reaction. And uh, Or it's bedtime, that's another one. Just can't quite get it being bright outside and needing to go to bed. But everything is magnified just now, and understandably so. And I'm sure for a lot of us, it can feel right now, we're in a season where it feels a little bit like a pressure cooker. And some of us perhaps haven't been too proud of our responses, our reactions these last few weeks. And that, that's me included. We are human and our humanness uh, sometimes takes over our, our, our need to look after self or look after me or protect our, our thing. And uh, I wonder how we have reacted this week, how we have responded this week in our thoughts, in our actions, in our decisions. It's uh, in these strange times, often in these times that aren't predictable and come and take us by surprise that layers are often peeled off and sometimes we don't like what comes out. There's a man called George Jurdijif. That's a, a, yeah, it's an interesting second name. George Jurdijif, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. But he says this, each man has a definitive repertoire of roles which he plays in ordinary circumstances. But put him, only, put him into even only slightly different circumstances and he is unable to find a suitable role. For a short time he becomes himself. C.S. Lewis uh, says this, Surely what a man does when he is taken off his guard is the best evidence for what sort of man he is. If there are rats in a cellar, you're most likely to see them if you go in very suddenly. But the suddenness does not create the rats. It only prevents them from hiding. In the same way, the suddenness of the prov provocation does not make me ill-tempered. It only shows me what an ill-tempered man I am. You know, in seasons like this, we can have our faults our failures, our shortcomings, highlighted, spotlighted, really honed in. And we can be dwelling on them so much, it can be dehabilitating. But we have Jesus this morning. Precious Jesus. And if we know him and trust him and allow him to navigate us in this storm, those reactions, those responses, those bad bits are washed away. By him. Those shortcomings are forgiven. Those failures are wiped out. He makes all things new. You are free this morning. 
I was reading and reading and reading this passage and I couldn't get away from the word immediately. In verse 22, it just just stood out for me. And then I seen it again in verse 27. And then I seen it again in verse 31. Immediately he led them onto the boat. Immediately he said, take courage. Immediately he reached out his hand. Response, response, response. I love this about Jesus here in this passage. And here's where I got excited. I literally got so excited. I love God's word when he unveils something fresh for us. And I feel this is an encouragement for everyone who's watching this morning. And it's this word immediately. Now the Greek is pronounced uh, eutheos. And it means straight away, immediately, instant. And it comes up time and time again in the Gospels, in the uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John and Acts as well. And let me uh, reference it to you. So in John chapter 5 verse 9, a man was healed immediately, Eutheos. In Acts 9.18, we see the flakes that fell from his eyes, Saul, immediately. Immediately the flakes fell from his eyes, Eutheos. In Acts 9.34, get up and make your bed, immediately, immediately. Luke 5.13, immediately the leprosy left him, Eutheos. Even at the very beginning of the disciples' story in chapter 4, verse 22 of Matthew, the disciples immediately left their notes, their notes, left their notes, left their nets to follow him. So this word immediately, instantly, at once, is the same term for healings that Jesus performed, that we're seeing in this passage. That's pretty cool, isn't it? He doesn't ever ignore us. Let's go through in a bit more detail those three, uh, those three examples of the word immediately being used in the passage that we read. In verse 22, it says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. So what do we see here? Thousands of people are, are mulling around. They've seen an amazing miracle, over 10,000 people. Jesus needs to get out of there and he needs to get his friends out. Crowds could be bothersome, I imagine, at that time. That amount of people and that miracle that has happened, they'd be wanting a bit more of Jesus. They'd be wanting to see him. They'd want to be around him. They'd want to be near him and his disciples as well. So at this point, this immediately, we see an instruction. We see an instruction with this immediately. So that's verse 22. Verse 27 says, Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. So he sends them out on a boat and a storm is going wild. There's waves that are crashing into the boat and he walks over water and they're freaking out they think they've seen a ghost they cry out in fear immediately he says take courage so we see an encouragement with this immediately so firstly we see an instruction and then secondly we see an encouragement with this immediately and then in verse 31 immediately jesus reaches out his hand and caught him Peter, bless him, he's a a bit of a pocket rocket. He's a bit of a loose cannon. And he ends up walking on water, gets into a spot of bother, and immediately a hand comes out. So we see an action with this immediately. So firstly, we see an instruction, go into the boat. Secondly, we see an encouragement, take courage. And then thirdly, we see an action from Jesus. He puts out his hand and he rescues, he grabs his hand. So good, so good. 
This passage reminds us that when we're in spaces that seem okay, but could get dangerous, or when we are in fear and crying out, or when we are sinking, Jesus always responds and he is always good. It might not pan out how we planned, and we might be living right now in the mystery of that with questions and questions that we might not see answered until we see Jesus face to face. But we trust in his responses of instruction, of encouragement when life is brutal and of action when we need saving. He is good and he hears you this morning. And that might come from reading God's word, that instruction, that encouragement, that action. It might come from speaking in our small groups. It might come from praying for one another, having a word, receiving a word. It might come from worship, songs that we're hearing. It might come from when we're walking out in nature. It might come as we listen to music. It might come from a dream that we've had. We can be rest assured in that, that Jesus is eager to speak. He's eager to respond immediately to us. How do we receive that instruction, that encouragement, that rescue? Do we need one of those today, this morning? And how do we give it out? We're to remember the response of Jesus. And where ours are failing to remember Jesus's, remember these three examples and to look to do it in our weeks, to carry it forward, instruction, encouragement, action. And then our second point uh, is choose one chair, choose one chair. The story is told of Luciano Pavarotti, that famous opera singer. He says this, when I was a boy, my father, a baker, introduced me to the wonders of song. He urged me to work very hard to develop my voice. Arrigo Pola, who was a professional tenor in Modena, took me as a pupil. I also enrolled in a teacher's college. On graduating, I asked my father, shall I be a teacher or a singer? His father replied, if you try to sit on two chairs, you will fall between them. For life, you must choose one chair. I chose one. Now, let me illustrate. Now, I've been told that I don't have a bum. It's a bit weird. But we're going to give it a shot. I'm going to move on from that. But this might make this task slightly difficult. Right. There is another chair there. Right. Right. <laughs> right, that is incredibly sore. That is incredibly sore and I can feel my legs stretching a bit and I'm getting older. So I'm going to stop now and I'm going to move back. <laughs> right. Let me move away. <laughs> we see Peter in this passage. We see Peter taking a step of faith that some might say. Some argue it was his foolishness leading him. But he got out of the boat. He walked on water. We can't forget that. He trusted. But in verse 30, he saw the wind. When he saw the wind. Now, uh, a pastor called Steve Furtick does a brilliant little two-minute reflection on watching the wind. He says, don't watch the wind. The minute that Peter watches the wind, it's game over. That same wind in verse 24, which was crashing the waves against the boat. It's important to remember that the waves haven't changed. 
The waves haven't changed, but Peter's focus did. Jesus hasn't changed, but Peter's focus did. He cried out in fear in verse 26, if we remember that, and it's still stormy. We don't read it calming, we don't read the waters calming until verse 32. But regardless of him being in fear in verse 26, regardless of the waves still crashing against the boat, in verse 29 he goes. Why? Because I believe in that moment Peter chose his chair. One chair. He chose one chair. His focus in that moment was Jesus. You can picture it as a groom turns his head to see his bride walking up the aisle as they are to get married. Eyes fixed. There ain't nothing diverting his attention in that moment. And Jesus in that moment, he's leading Peter out into risk. He's leading Peter out into the kingdom, into the miraculous. Then Peter diverts his focus. Now it's important to emphasise we don't dismiss the wind, the tough stuff, the storms. Questions right now in this season over our futures, over our finances, over our family, over our career, over the illness or the addiction. We just don't focus on it. We just don't get into balancing between two chairs. We don't make, we don't focus on the storm. We don't make the storm the defining focus of our lives, of our days, of our waking, of our sleeping. Some of us need to hear that this morning, not to make COVID-19 the defining vehicle for our days. Don't let the storm direct our thinking. Focus on Jesus. Don't dismiss the storm, acknowledge it, pray in it, work in it, but don't divert our eyes from Jesus. If we focus on the storm, we'll start to sink like Peter did. Hebrews 3, 1 says, fix your thoughts on Jesus. Choose one chair. Don't be watching the wind. Don't divert our focus and fix it on the news, on social media, on questionable internet sites late at night, on a bottle of wine, on a cigarette, Maybe those examples is called out, the struggles of your week right there. I'd want to urge you to, to get prayer. Click that button and pray with somebody who'd be eager just to ask God into that situation, not to mess about in this season. We're called in this season to fix our eyes on Jesus, to love those around us. We are a resurrection people. We are a people that have come alive. We are a people full of hope in the storms more than ever. And we have to choose one chair and not waver in this time. One of uh, well, my favourite band, Mumford and Sons, uh, have a line in a song that says, Plant your hope in good seeds. Don't cover ourselves in thistle and weeds. Plant our hope. Plant our hope in Jesus. To be a walking water, walking on the water people in this storm, to have our eyes in Jesus in this storm, to love our city well in this storm, to be generous in this storm, to be loving in this storm, to be forgiving in this storm, to be grace-filled in this storm, to be patient in this storm, to be naturally supernatural in this storm, to remember our reactions in this storm, to choose one chair in the storm, and that chair is Jesus.